Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. In the sanctuary, go ahead and find John, 1 John 4. First John chapter 4, we, we've just been in a series talking about understanding uh, fear as deadly effects in our life. Just different titles that we've been talking about. Tonight we're going to talk about the cure for fear. Amen. How to cure it in your life. And um, we're going to begin First John and just start there. Maybe look at a couple more scriptures tonight. We'll see. But we'll start at First John uh, you know, there's a lot of fear going on right now in, well, I guess all over the world, but in our country, you know, and, and there's just so, many, so much knee-jerk reaction about things, you know. Uh, you know, something happens and there's a knee-jerk reaction and, you know, the media gets on board with it and so forth, and none of it's the answer. Amen. Amen. You know, none of it's the answer. The gospel's the answer. And as long as people reject God, they reject His Word, they're going to have, they're going to have issues. They're going to have problems. Right. Amen. It's not going to get better until you accept the answer. And of course, you know, when we took God out of school, it got worse. Yeah. Because you don't just take God out of something. The devil steps in when God's... It's either God or the devil. It's like, you know, it's like you're either serving God or you're serving the devil, you know. Right. Amen. For I say, my mom used to try to tell me that as a teenager, and I just like blew her off, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm just partying, leave me alone, you know. And then, you know, I listened to John, or uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan. Anybody old enough? Or I mean, he's still playing, you know. I mean, he's on life support, but he's still going. Praise God. Um, <laughs> But you know, uh, you know, he got he got saved. He truly did get saved, and then the church didn't know what to do with him, so they stuck him up like he was a preacher, and he's still a baby Christian, and he didn't survive it. You know, just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean you know anything about God. It's because you got saved. Thank God for your testimony, but doesn't mean you should be teaching anybody or up in front of a crowd. You know, other than just telling, "Hey, I got saved. Praise God." Now that's great. All right, hallelujah. But don't go beyond that until you get filled with something. And then he, he did a gospel album or two, you know, and, you know, he came up with that song, you got to serve somebody, you know what I'm talking about? So it's like, all right, you know, and that, you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, I mean, it's the truth. You're either, you know, if, if God's not involved in something, then who is? So if we tell God, get out of government, then we say, devil, come on in. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah for that, but I mean, you just agree with me or something. I mean, so, you know, it's like we're going to kick God out of government. We're going to kick God out of school. They'd like to kick him out of the United States. Uh, but, you know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, kick him out. Of course, you can't, you can't overpower God, but just tell him we don't want anything to do with you. And then, then, they, want, then, they, then they wonder why we got problems. Yeah. I still love, I say this, I've said this several times, but it was, really, it was really a great statement by Billy Graham's daughter after the 9-11 thing. You know, when 9-11 took place, you know, then and all of a sudden people want God. All of a sudden for three weeks we're holy. All of a sudden people come to church. You know, I wasn't impressed by that, honestly. It didn't move me a bit. Yeah, sure, more people came to church. Glad they came to church, but I knew, you know, they're not going to stay. A lot of them, because they're not serious. They just, they're afraid. But they're not serious. And so, you know, churches started getting filled up. You know, all of a sudden, all these sinners are standing, the congressmen are standing on the, the steps, you know, quoting Bible verses. They don't even know what they mean. 
Thank God's better than quoting other things, but you know what I'm saying. And so they asked her, you know, they had her on one of these talk shows and asked her, said, now, you know, why didn't, why did God allow this? You know, why did God allow this? Why did he allow them? And I love what her answer was. She said, you have to remember, we told him to get out a long time ago. Well, this is good preaching, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. You tell him to get out and now you want him to protect you. And I was like, get out. But if we need you, show up. You can't have it both ways. Amen. But I want you to know something. I mean, there's, you know, all this stuff that's going on, all this stuff that's going on in the world, you know, and all, all the things that, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, I mean, I, I, get, I catch some news now. I, I boycotted it for a while, you know. I think I was better off. I may go back to boycotting it again. But, you know, I, I catch some things, and some of the things that people are saying are coming on the horizon and all this puts fear in people and all that. And I'm thinking, well, I don't really need to know about it because it's not going to affect me anyway, other than maybe warn people, get right with God. Amen. You know, and believers start believing the Bible. Hallelujah. What if every church preached the word every Sunday morning? Think it would change America? Absolutely, sure would. So all this fear going on, but there's a cure for fear. And I want to talk about that. And let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Let's begin verse 16. The Bible says, we have known, everybody say known, and believed they believed. That's real important. The love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect or mature that we may have boldness in the dead judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Wow. That's a mouthful. When's the last time you heard somebody preach on that? As he is, that's the way we are in the world. Not when we get to heaven right now. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is if he that fears is not made perfect in love. Now I don't think it's necessarily talking about you know your love walk towards other people here. I believe it's talking about you're not, you're not made perfect in the in the knowledge of the love that God has for you. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't know and believe. Just think about it like this: you you have to know and believe it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you have to, if you're married, you've got to have some faith and confidence in your spouse or things aren't going to go well. Amen. I mean, if you're always suspicious, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've seen that before, you know, where maybe the husband's suspicious or it could be the wife's suspicious. I mean, you know, the guy can't even go to Burger King without his wife thinking he's having an affair. And I've had to, you know, I've had to deal with that before with people and say, well, has he ever had an affair? Well, no. Then why do you think he's having one now? Well, I don't know. He just, you know, he was gone for 20 minutes. Your problem is, is you're not developed in your love, man. You got to, all right, I know there's things that happen in marriage and things don't go right sometimes. But listen, we got to learn to trust one another. Amen. Amen. And so we, we have to learn that, you know, how much God really loves us. There, there, there's a scripture in Ephesians, which we won't look at tonight, but I love it in the Amplified Bible. It talks about, you know, that God... You know, he had so much mercy. It's Ephesians chapter 2. talks about he was so rich in mercy that, you know, for his great love, with the, which with he loved us, he, he did something for us. He, he raised us and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. God loved us so much. And I love the Amplified Bible because it says, in order to satisfy, listen to this, this is so good. In order to satisfy the great, wonderful, and intense love which God had for us, 
he raised us up when he raised Christ up. And he seated us in heavenly places. In other words, God loved us so much, he wanted to set us up there with Christ. So that in the ages to come, he could show us his kindness. I don't know what he's going to do to you. I don't don't know. But all throughout the ages, he's going to show us some good stuff. You know, there's just no end to the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I mean, we just paid this building off. I'm already thinking about another building. Because I know there's no end. To, you know, there's no end, there's no end to the goodness of God. Amen. You say, well, pastor, I mean, don't you ever get satisfied? No, I never do. Well, not, not, not with the blessing of God. I mean, when I say satisfied, let me explain that. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. But I'm, I'm never content just to stay where I'm at. God's got more for us. Right? You know, you don't want to get stale and stuck. <laughs> I want to move on. Amen. But you have to have this understanding how much God loves you. Amen? Amen. You know, how much you're willing to pay for something is how much you value it. Now, you know, the other day, well, I guess it was yesterday, I I bought a steak. You know, I went out to eat full of time, bought a steak, you know, and I gave, uh, I don't know, $20-something for the the steak, you know. So, uh, but if I went to... Burger King and got a, what kind of burgers do they have, Burger King? Whopper. If I got a Whopper and it was $21, I'd have a problem. Because I don't value that as much as I do that. This was a filet mignon. I value filet mignon more than Whoppers. I'm willing to pay more for a filet mignon than I am a Whopper. I've never bought a Whopper in my life unless I bought it for somebody else. But, you know, if I, if I, if I ate Whoppers, I wouldn't give $21 for it. Would you? Well, you don't, you don't value it, right? See, see it's what, what you value, you know, and everybody has value systems are different. You know, everybody has different value systems. You know, I was preaching at a camp meeting in another, at another church uh, for this pastor, and they were, they were different speakers there. This has been a while, quite a while back. And I was preaching, you know, for different, you know, I was one of the speakers. There was another speaker there. And this one, one man and his wife, they pastor a church, you know, and, uh, and, and he had a car that was $225,000. $225,000. Now, I, I don't judge him. I mean, it's fine. If he's got the money, you do that. Great. Praise the Lord. I see you're not in agreement. But anyway, that's his life, not yours. How do you know that? Right? He got his money honestly, which he did. He did. You know, he had businesses and, and stuff, or a business, might have businesses, plural, you know, too. And so I don't have any problem with it. I don't have any problem with it. I don't care if he gave a million dollars for it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's nice. Great price. I just don't place that much value on an automobile. I mean, I think if I, if I, if I had $225,000 to spend on, a, on a, a vehicle, I'd probably buy a lot of people vehicles. Maybe if you act right. The way you're, way you're looking at me right now, I don't think I will. But anyway, uh, you know what I'm saying? See, so, but it's a matter of value, see? Well, how, you know, how, how many know you're willing to spend more money for certain things? Uh, you're willing to spend more money on your house than you probably are on your camper. You have more value for it. Some of you, that's probably, that's probably not true. But for most of us normal people... I mean, there's guys got more money in their truck than they do their house. 
I mean, you ever gone by those houses? I mean, it looked like the front door's falling off, the porch is falling in, and there's a brand new GMC Sierra sitting out in the driveway, just, man, spank, brand spanking new. I mean, they got more money in that truck than a house. But it's a value thing, see? It's a value thing. Why am I saying this? Because the Bible tells us God didn't purchase us with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He valued us. He paid the highest price to get us. That's how much value He places on us. Jesus said, if you can believe this, and you should because it's the Word, He said He loves us as much as God the Father loves us as much as He does Jesus. So we have to be confident. We have to, we have to develop now. Listen, you have to not just know that. We, we know He loves us because He gave His Son for us. Amen. But we have to believe it. We have to get developed in that. And begin to believe that and begin to think about that. Well, how would you believe it? Well, you got to meditate on it. You got to think about it. You got to say it. I said, you got to say it. You have to say it. God loves me. Now, let's go and let's go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 3 because I want to talk about this some more. Because you have to develop this. If you, once, you get your, once you get your faith developed in the love of God, uh, it does something for you that you realize, I mean, God loves me. And if God loves me, it really doesn't matter what's going to happen in life because there's nothing going to separate me from the love of God. That's what Paul said. He said, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. So we have to, and, and listen, this, one of the things that, you know, you have to know, it's not just automatic that God can just do anything He wants to for you. You have to believe it. I mean, think about the ministry of Jesus. I mean, he's, He would often say, uh, your faith made you whole. Right, Pastor Jerry? He said that, J. Iris, you know, he said that to the one with the issue of blood. Who was the other person you had all mixed up in that story the other night? But we're teasing him. We're going to rehash that. Oh, by the way, by the way, you know, the, the last Wednesday night when I, when, when I accused Pastor Jerry of being back there eating uh, Chick-fil-A, the kids had Chick-fil-A last Wednesday night, and he wasn't out in the sanctuary, and I, I said, he's back there, and you all believed it. You all said, yeah, you all agree. He was actually at home overcoming. So he said, I owe him a public apology. But I told him, everybody believed it. He saw you online saying, yeah, that's where he's at. He's back there. I'm not going to name this person because I'm going to protect the, I'm going to protect this person. But somebody saw you Sunday morning or Sunday at picnic eating and they say, pastor's not exaggerating. But I do apologize because he, the, poor, the guy was overcoming using his faith, and I accused him of eating Chick-fil-A with the kids. All right, so now back to the Bible, all right? Ephesians chapter 3, praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there? Verse 17, the Bible says, Paul's praying here for the church at Ephesus. He says that Christ made well in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. You've got to be rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, listen to this, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What does it mean it passes knowledge? Well, I have this uh, in my Bible. It's too rich for man's mind. 
God's love passes knowledge. The Bible says His peace passes knowledge. In other words, when it doesn't make any sense, you can still have peace. When it's like, how can I have peace? You can because it's a supernatural peace. How could God love me? You know all your faults. You know all your failures. You know you're not perfect. We know it too, but we don't say it. But you know, how many know that? I'm teasing you. How many know? We all know our our, our but, but but God's love, it's 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 you know, it's so deep, it's so it's so rich, it's it's beyond our understanding. We have to get a revelation of it. The Spirit of God has to reveal it to us. See, we have to have that revelation because you can't get it with your mind. Your mind will tilt. Everything about God is that way. I don't know if you ever thought about it. When you think about it, have you ever just sat around thought about? You know, I, I have. I've done this before. You know, just get real. Start start thinking about. Okay, I know when I know when the earth began. You know, I know when when God when man began. You know, the Bible gives us an account. It tells us. You know, on the first day God made this. He made that. He made this. Made that. You know, and so forth. And so I know that. But then I, I'll start thinking. Well, okay. Uh, How'd God get here? I mean, you know, well, He's just always been. Well, well, how can He just always be? I mean, everything we know has a beginning. That's because our, our minds are finite. God's infinite. And so you have, to, you have to receive it by faith. I just, you know, I don't have to have any explanation. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't have to, faith doesn't have to have an explanation. Faith just accepts the word. Right? I don't have to have an explanation about how God does things. I just know He does. I pray for people, they've been healed. How they get healed? I don't know, God does it. I laid my hands on, on service, service in... in uh, Oakland City, Indiana, one night. Laid my hands on a little girl. She had a little a knot growth on the back of her neck. You know, she's probably about three years old. Her parents were all concerned about it. Naturally, they would be. You know, I mean, what is this? This is cancer. What is this? Laid my hand on her, lift my hand up, it's gone. How did, where'd it go? I don't know. I, I, my, my, I, don't, I don't have to know. All I got to do is have faith. You say, well, I'm, I, I just don't, I know you wouldn't say it, but people say, I don't believe that. Well, good thing it wasn't a knot on your neck because you still have that knot, naughty neck. Well, this little girl, she just, you know, she didn't know what to go. She just, kids have faith. It's like I prayed for another kid, you know, and he came up, you know, had a stomach issue. I laid my hands on him, you know, and uh, prayed for him. And he looked at me, I'm like, kid, man, he looked at me, he goes, he goes, still hurts. I thought, kid, this ain't the way you do it. You're supposed to act like you got it. You're supposed to, you know. So I, I laid my hands on him again. Prayed for him again. You know, Jesus laid his hands on somebody twice. Remember that? And I did it again, you know. And I got done. He said, still hurts. I thought, my gosh, this is a tough customer here. <laughs> you don't know how prayer lines work. I laid my hands on him again. <laughs> I took him off. Thank God for God's mercy. He said, it's gone. I thought, thank you, Jesus. You don't heal this kid. We're going to be here all night. Thank God, you know, and see, we don't understand some things. You know, people don't want you to explain everything. You know, I've heard people say, well, if, you're, if you've prayed for people and they get healed, why don't you go empty the hospital out? Why don't you grow a brain? Not everybody we preach to salvation gets saved. I'm not in control of it. God's in control of, of it. People And people have to respond, right? If I was healing everybody, I'd heal some people. And others, I'd just let them suffer for a while. 
Hallelujah. Thank God for the love of God. All right, come on now. <laughs> I'm teasing. How many, know, how many know there's things about God? The Bible says in Romans, that which may be known of God has been revealed to us. There's some things we don't, you know, we, we don't, we don't, I don't know how he's just always been. I don't know how, see, I have, I've had people over years all try to, try to explain the Trinity in all kinds of different ways. Some of it, you know, kind of made sense. Some of that, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think probably all, some of that stuff, we're not going to know the fullness of it till we meet him face to face and, and we'll just have revelation of it. The Bible says, Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now, now, you know, we, we, we'll, be, we'll know as we are known, see? So, so I think there's something about when we get in His presence, and we'll know a lot of things that, you know, we don't know right now. But thank God for what we do know, amen? And so God has given us, you know, His love, and we're to be, verse 17 says, we're to be rooted and grounded in it. Rooted and grounded in it. See, our roots should be in, what, in God's love, not in, not, in a, not in us and our conduct. Well, I mean, shouldn't we have good conduct? Well, absolutely, but that shouldn't be where your roots are at because if that's where your roots are at, you've got a performance Christianity and you're going to chase your tail all your life. It's about time you think you've arrived, something else will come up. You have to have your roots in the love of God. People get confused about the law. I hear preachers preach on things. You just, you don't, you're confused here. You know, they say, well, you know, uh, Christ did away with the law. No, he didn't. He fulfilled it. He didn't do away with it. Are you saying we're saved by law? No, we're saved by grace. The laws are moral compass. That's how we're supposed to live, folks. We're not saved that way, but once we get saved, God wants us to live right. Okay, since it's so quiet about that, I'll just throw some scripture on you. You, you want to be that way about it? How about the Bible says that in this new covenant, He's going to put His laws in our hearts. So I've heard that. You know, well, the, we, uh, it's just the law, it's just the law, just the law. Well, you better thank God for the law, because I'll tell you what, if there's, there's one of those laws, if you break, your wife will kill you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Try that and see how long you live. All right, say amen, somebody, come on. How about murder? How many, how many know that's, that's a Ten Commandment? How many think that we still should live by that? How about lying, but not bearing false witness? Think we should still live by that? How about having no other gods before him? Think we should still live by that? And, you're, and people try to tell me it, there's no law any longer. No, there's still a law. That's, that's the moral code, man. That's how we're supposed to conduct our lives as believers. We're not saved that way. We're saved by grace. Saved because he loves us. But he still wants us to live right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, now notice that, that uh, he said rooted and grounded. Everybody say rooted and grounded. You know, the, the roots on a tree are real important. You know that, right? You know, they say, and they say that, you know, like the roots on the tree, there's more underground than there is above ground. You know, I've got these trees in my yard, backyard. I put them there for a barrier, you know, to uh, block off the, the yard, the backyard, you know. And uh, I put them there when we bought the, bought the house. And so, you know, they're pretty good size now, decent size now. And those roots, man, they have gone a long ways. You know, I, I, I mean, uh, I, I was like trying. I've got a, a, a shed, you know, and it had a lattice on it, you know. And the lattice kind of got messed up, and I'm taking it off. I was going to. 
re recut it, replace it, do some stuff with it. And I was pulling on one to jerk it up, and it wouldn't come off. You know, I got all the screws out, and one of those tree roots had grown up through the lattice, you know, and at the bottom rung, and was just holding it in place. I had to cut the root. Those roots just spreading out. Why? Because if the roots, you know, I mean, the roots on a tree are real important, and and if they're if they're healthy, then the tree's going to be healthy. You know, when you see trees that, that are blown down in the storm, it's, it's, it's usually, a lot of times, it's a root failure. The roots are, you know, they're not, they're not in the ground like they need to be. But healthy roots, which that's what God wants us to have, is, is our roots in His love. See, I really like this about John. He's, he's so, uh, John the, the Apostle... He, he, he's so, him and Peter had such a rivalry. I mean, how you know? Well, you can read it in the scriptures, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he lets you know, I outran Peter to the tomb. You know, Peter, when they came to get Jesus, Peter took a sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear. It's listed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke just say somebody cut off the high priest's servant's ear. John tells you it was Peter. He lets you know who it is. The other guys are gracious, like somebody did this, you know. They know, I mean, they know who did it, but they don't tell you. But John says it was Peter. And, and you know, and when, you know, remember when Jesus appeared to him and he said, Peter, he said, Do you love me? Yeah, yeah, I do, Lord. He said, Feed my sheep. You love me? Feed my sheep. He asked him the third time. I think that's trying to undo that denying three times, see? And the third time, Peter's a little, he's a little put out with Jesus, you know. He said, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. He said, and feed my sheep. He said, Peter, when you get older, he said, somebody's going to take you. you. When you're young, you girded yourself. You, want, you wanted to. He said, but when you get older, somebody's going to gird you and take your place you don't want to go. This spake you of the death. He was going to die. The glorified God, he was crucified. And the first thing Peter said, what about him? Pointing to John. What about this man? Jesus said, if, if I want him to live till I come back, that's none of your business. You just follow me. So there was this rivalry there. And, and when you read the book of John, John lets you know one, two, three, four, five times that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. What about all the other disciples? But he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But I really believe this, okay? I believe, this. I believe John had a revelation that Jesus loved him. That's why he's the apostle of love. You know, when you, read, you read in the Bible, you know, 1 John, you know, he read his letters to, you know, the epistles, the first and second and third John, he talks about love. You read his gospel, he talks about love. I think he had a revelation. And you know what? He was, he was the one disciple they couldn't kill. They couldn't kill John. Um, history teaches this, you know, that they threw him in a pot of boiling oil and he lived through it. They put him out on, they couldn't know what to do with him. And so I forget which, which leader it was, put him out on uh, the Isle of Patmos to die out there as an old man. And he wrote the book of Revelation. He finally got off, off, off the Isle of Patmos and got back into Ephesus and went to Timothy's church. When I say Timothy's church, the one he pastored. 
He was, I always thought about Timothy. No wonder Paul said, let no man despise your youth. I, I couldn't imagine being Pastor Timothy at Ephesus. Because at Ephesus, John the, that's where the Apostle John went to church. That's where Jesus' mother went to church. At Ephesus. She ended up there. It would be pretty hard as a pastor to get up and preach about Jesus and his mom sitting out there. It's like, maybe she should talk about Jesus. But that's why Paul said, hey, don't let no man despise your youth. Preach, preach. Amen. Be an example. Amen. So John was rooted and grounded in love. Now, let, let's, let's go to our last scripture. Did you get anything tonight? Joshua chapter 1, because this is the cure for fear, is when we get rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves us. Amen. And, and you know, because, listen, I, I, I'm not, I'm not um, I don't know how to say this. Let me think about a way to say this a good way. I'm really, I'm really big on living the Word, you know, living right. But I see people that, you know, they base, the, you know, everything on if I'm perfect, Amen. You know, I've told you a story about years ago. I used to have a guy come in, you know, he'd come to our meetings, you know, as far as pastoring and was having meetings in different places. And he was one of our supporters. He would come, but he always had uh, an issue with his past. He'd messed up in the past. And so, you know, he always want prayer for that. You know, he get, I don't know how many prayer lines he got in and he wanted prayer for that. You know, well, I've just messed up here in the past. And, and, and you know, I was, I was patient with him. And then, then, then one night it just reached the point where I think it was really the Holy Spirit, honestly, even though I was a little, you know, loud with him. Uh, he came up once again and he was in the, at, at the just a church. And actually, I I'd started pastoring. He came to our church, that first building, midweek service. And he shows up, you know. And, uh, he's, you know, and here he is in the prayer line. And so I read, what do you need? Well, I, I you know, I, I failed in the past. And something came over me and I yelled at him. I said, you know what your problem is? I said, your problem is you have more faith in your sin than you do the blood of Jesus. I can't help you. Don't ever get back in the prayer line again. One-on-one on not how to pastor people. Anyway. But you know what? He needed to hear that. His problem was he had more faith in his sin than he did the blood of Jesus. Praise God, the blood set us free. And so, you know, even though we want to, we want to live holy, we want to live right, but yet we don't, we don't want to base our relationship on just what we're doing. It's going to fail. We need to base our relationship on the fact God loves me. He loved me before I was ever right. I'm telling you, he loved me when I was living in sin. Christ died for the ungodly. I qualified. So you've you got to understand, it's, it's God's love. God so loved the, the world. He didn't say, now y'all get straightened up, I'll send my son. Act, act a little bit, I'll send my son. No, he loved the world. You know, the people that we don't like what they're doing, the things, the people, we despise what they're doing in society, God still loves them. Amen. Some of the politicians, we can't stand. You know what I'm saying? We don't like their policies. God still loves them. He wants them saved. Amen. Now, in Joshua, are you, are you there? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. The Bible says, God said, have not I commanded you? 
This is strong, isn't it? Hey, he didn't suggest this, did he? Have not I commanded you, be strong of a good courage, be not afraid, be not, neither be thou dismayed. Now, the word dismayed is interesting. It means to be beat down by violence or confusion or to be beat down by circumstances or to break down by violence or confusion or beat down by circumstances. How many of life will try to dismay you? He said, but don't be that way. Why? There's a reason why. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is so simple, but you've got to develop faith in this. That Hey, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm going through, God's with me. He's going to help me. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have to understand God's love for us. That he is with us no matter where we're at. We have to develop faith in that. No matter what I face, hey, God's right there with me. He's right there with me. He'll help me. He'll give me wisdom. He'll give me strength. He'll give me protection. God is with me. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to believe these things. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell this, the whole story because I, I, I don't know if I remember it all, but, uh, you know, a missionary, uh, we met him one time at a restaurant a few years back. I mean, I heard of him, knew of him, knew of him, but I never had met him. And we met him at a restaurant in a, in a, where were we at? You don't know who I'm talking about. Never mind. We were in some city. But anyway, and talked with him and all. But, you know, he tells the story one time when he was on a mission field, how a guy, how a guy uh, took him at gunpoint. At gunpoint. I can't remember how he got in his car, but he was driving somewhere, and he might have, might have saw the guy hitched, walking and pulled over, and the guy stuck a gun in his side, and like, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, no, you're not. You can't kill me. You know, you can't do it. And, and, and the guy, he said, just made the guy matter. And yes. Yes. That's not the city, though. Okay. Anyway, she's giving me a name, but it's not the name of a city. All right. Now, anyway, but here's the thing. Uh, he said this went on for quite a while. The guy, I mean, he drove for miles, and finally, the guy, he just kept telling, you can't kill me. You can't kill me. You can't. Because he, he said, I have authority. You can't kill me. I have authority. God, God loves me. You can't kill me. He said, it made the guy so mad. He said, he said, and I get it. He, said he made me pull over, and he said, it made me get out of the car. And... Uh, he, and, he, and he said, uh, uh, you know, give me your watch, give me your billfold, give me all that. And uh, he said, you can't have it. You can't rob from me. You can't kill me. God loves me. I have authority over you. And <laughs> he said the guy got bad, fired a gun at him. Now, this is the guy that really, you can take his word, fired a gun at him five times. He said none of the bullets hit him. The guy got so shook up, man, over that, that, you know, he gave up. Well, you want God was with him, right? Why are you so quiet? This, uh, this we're a faith church. We believe in these kind of things. And I said, I happen to know this man's. You know, he's got a, he's got a reputation for many, many, many years being on the mission field. He's on a, 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 a character, and if he said it happened, it happened. Well, what's the what's the problem? Well, here the here the thing is. See, no matter what we face, God's with me. But we got to believe that. I said we got to believe that. 
we got to develop our faith in that. Amen. And so, I love Hebrews. Let's close with this. Did you get anything tonight? I'm closing right here. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's go there. And this is our final scripture tonight. But but how do we, what's the cure for fear? Well, we have to, we have to develop our faith in God's love for us, that God loves us. And, uh, you know, if we'll just believe that, we'll just stand, he'll take care of us. We'll stand in faith. Everything will be all right. Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse uh, 5. The Bible says, let your conversation, your conduct be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Or sometimes say, what can man do unto me? But notice this. I like this because I've got this in my Bible. It says, he said, this is what God said, all right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, here's what we're to say, because he said that so we can boldly say, the Lord's my helper, I'll not fear, what can man do unto me? Because he said something, we can say something. See, there's a scripture, and I've quoted this scripture before, it's been a while since I've talked about it, but it's in Psalm 62, 11, David said, God has spoken once, twice I've heard this. The power belongs to, to the Lord, or to God. He said, God spoke it once, I heard it twice. Well, how did he hear it twice? Well, he spoke it himself. God spoke it, then he spoke it. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you can boldly say, the Lord's my helper. I'm not going to fear what man can do unto me. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to what? How do you get rid of fear? Because you boldly say, the Lord's my helper. It runs fear out the door because it's faith in His love for you. And you're developing it. You're getting mature. You're rooted and grounded in it. And it doesn't matter what man throws my way. They can't overcome me if God's on my side. This doesn't just preach. You can live this. Amen. Here's a little nugget. This is interesting. Where It says, the Lord is my helper. You, you do a Greek word study on that. You'll have to, you have to dig a little deeper. I forget where I how far I dug on this, but I found this out. I don't remember what word study it was. But this word helper means the one who comes running when I cry for help. Hallelujah. When I cry for help, he comes running. Why? Because he's my helper. Well, what's a helper? A helper helps, right? I got a job when I was 20 years old as a helper, you know. Uh, Preston will appreciate this. It was for a heating and air conditioning company. You know, now at, at 20 years old, I didn't know anything about it. All I knew about was drugs. I wasn't saved. I lived a life of drug use, drug use, but I worked. Everybody say work. There's a difference in my generation and today's generation. We may have done drugs, but we went to work. Because, you know, our parents taught us that. You don't work, we'll beat you. gets worse, we'll kill you and tell the government we don't want to happen to you. You ran away. But they made us work. It was a good thing. They didn't give us any choice. My dad never came out and said, now if it's all right with you, would you mow the yard? No, he said, get your boots of honey on that tractor and get out there and mow before it hurts. 
All right, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we don't talk that way today. Yeah, and look what we got. We need to start talking that way again, you know. So anyway, you know, I, I answered the ad, you know, it was an ad in the paper. I needed a job, so I, I go there, and the guy hires me. You know, I don't know, I don't know a frazzling thing about heating, heating in the air. You know, I'm just hired in as a helper, you know. I don't know anything about it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, the first day I came to work, he said to me, so you know why I hired you? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because, it, number one, it wasn't because I was clean liver. Or it wasn't because, you know, because if he knew my background, or he, you know, he knew I was wild. And it wasn't because I knew anything about the job. He said, I hired you. Listen, this, this, this is the key. The young people need to learn this. He said, I hired you because you're the only one that came in dressed up for the interview. And I didn't have a suit on. I known a suit. I, didn't, I, 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 I never had more tie in my life up to that point that I remember. But I, I had on some nice pants and a nice shirt. Cut, I cut my hair. You know, I'm serious, man. I cut my hair. Don't look at me like you didn't have any hair. I did. <laughs> I cut my hair. He said, I hired you because you cleaned up. You were dressed up. He said, that's why I hired you. I thought, well, great. great. Praise God. Amen. And so, you know, I go to work. And the first day, you know, he goes, hey, we're working on something. I mean, he's helper. He said, I want you to go out there. And he said, I want you to get me a, a, fee, a three-quarter female copper fitting out of the truck. I thought, I didn't know fittings had sexes. I did not. I thought they were sexless. You know, I didn't know. That's how much I knew. So I, I've had a pretty good idea what three quarters looked like, you know. I mean, you know, I, so I grabbed this fitting. You know, he said a female. And I take it out to him and hand it to him. And he uses it. I said, that's a female. From then on, I, see, some of y'all are like, I don't know the difference either. Well, Go to Lowe's and learn. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, and, and I began to learn. I began to learn. I began to learn about he, some of those things. I began to learn about heating and air. And I began to learn later on. I began to learn a lot about, you know, di- different, different things of the building industry and same, things like that. You know, I began to learn those things. But I was hired as a helper. What does it mean? I mean? I'm there to help, man. I'm there to help him do whatever he needs done. Yeah. Right? I come in every day. He tell me, here's what you're going to do. You're going with Jim or you're coming with me. Or you're going with, you know, this other guy. We're going to go do this. We're going to, we're going to, get, we're going to install some units. Or we're going to go, you know, dig and, and, and run some gas line. Or we're going to, you know, we're going to do some plumbing or whatever. I remember the last day I worked, the last day, my very last day, I was getting ready to go to college after this. The last day I worked for him. It was in the afternoon, and this guy, you know, he has his, 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 I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to close and leave. His, uh, his plumbing come loose from his toilet and all of his waste was going underneath the house. And so he calls and the boss looks at me and he realizes this is his last day. It's the afternoon. He's not going under there. He was right. I'd gone home. So he goes and buys this rubber wetsuit, you know, and, he, and he, I said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? He said, because he's a good customer. I'm thinking, okay, don't expect any help from me. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. My last day, last afternoon, I just go home. But God is our helper. Everybody say helper. helper. He runs and helps us. And we need to boldly say it. No, it didn't say just like kind of, well, yeah, God's my helper, Pastor. No, he said boldly say it. Act like you believe it. Amen. That's the cure for love, amen, or for fear, is faith in, in God's love. That's the cure for fear. You get your faith built up that God loves me. 
He cares more about me than I care about myself. The Lord said this to me. I'll close right here once again. But the Lord said to me this year, years ago, year, many, many years ago. It's before Phyllis and I were even married. When I was thinking about dealing with sickness and things like that, I was attacking. The Lord said, when you, when you, he said, when you believe I want you healed more than you want healed, he said, you're there. I thought, that, that, that'll preach. You want me healed more than I want to be healed. That'll preach. Amen. Stand up, everybody. Did you get something tonight? Thank God for His Word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.